0: Yeah, oh, hey, I'm trying to turn the thing on. It's on, okay, all right. Have all the necessary buttons been pushed? I think all the buttons are pushed. We're 37 seconds into the backup, but we're only 29 seconds into the real thing. Hey, everyone, it's episode 202. And uh, if you want to know what my, where I am, I don't, it's, I'm don't. i not anywhere. I'm in my house right now, but I'm coming to someplace near your house. So go to jakethis.com and you can find out. I've got some shows in Cleveland and Pittsburgh coming up. So if you would like to come and see me and you live in those places, this is your chance. Go to jakethis.com. That's coming right up. And uh, then let's talk just a second about... My guests, my, it's my guest or your, am, I, am I your guest? That's always the, oh, the confusing thing. I think this should just be your show. This is going to be my show because I want to talk to you about... So you're, you're driving. I'll, it's I'll like
1: okay. a road trip. We'll take turns driving. Yeah, that yeah. sounds good. We can't okay. both be driving. So my guest... Whose lap is who going to be on if we're both driving? That's the question. You know,
0: I don't think we should sit on each other's lap <laughs> when we're driving. <laughs> I don't think that's safe. It's, so, I, I feel like I'm too big... <laughs> I'm too big to sit on your lap, and and also I'm too big to have a grown man sit on my lap when I'm
1: driving. Is that what, yeah. Well, although... Well, officer, it's just if one of us fell asleep, you know, we figured this was safer. Yeah, yeah.
0: And the tired person would then be on the top or the bottom?
1: Doesn't really matter, does it? Well... I mean, if the, if the person on top fell asleep and sort of slumped against your shoulder, that's kind of a comforting, nurturing... Yeah. yeah,
0: I think... Yeah. I think you want the sleepy person on the bottom. On the if bottom. you can, uh, Like you say, it does. Anyway, my guest this uh, <laughs> week is Chris Ryan. He doesn't like to be called Dr. Chris Ryan, but a lot no. of people know him as that.
1: I'm a uh, dentist.
0: He, yes, he can fix your teeth. You know, you're not, you're not a licensed dentist.
1: No, no, but I've got a toolbox.
0: Right, and what goes on between two guys... And it's Nobody's
1: business. It's nobody's
0: business. Welcome to America. So Chris Ryan wrote a book called Sex at Dawn, which you can read if you haven't. Well, you can't. I think you can read. If you're listening to this, you probably can read. That's if what not, I
1: mean. there are audio books. Yeah, you can get listen get the audio book. There you go. That's and what I did. We know that your audience can listen. This, there's no it. doubt about that. They're already doing it, and yeah. they can get things from the
0: internet, which is where they your audio to do that is right now. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. That's where... It's it's,
1: it's on the internet. So, Chris Ryan... Not that I'm suggesting anyone download it illegally, of course. No, no. Pay money. You'll get arrested for for that. There there are drones hovering in the sky. I doubt it. I mean... (laughs) A lot of my behavior is based
0: on the fact that nobody's watching me, but uh, which then, is funny
1: and, for a famous person to and, think that way. Yeah,
0: and then a lot of my ba- behavior is based on trying to get people to watch me. So <laughs> it's really just uh, not the wrong people. I'm all over the place at yeah. the wrong times. Well, it's almost everybody. I have to say that uh, this is not how I meant to start off, but I have been masturbating in hotel rooms <laughs> and often, you know, worried that uh, yeah. that there was going to be some video. Made. And then
1: the microwave is monitoring you.
0: It could be right. Yeah. I, the coffee machine is what I've really got my eye on
1: while you're in masturbating. Those hotel
0: rooms, right? Because it's not really a good coffee machine. So there's probably
1: room inside there. No one really technology. uses them. I do. Well, to masturbate, but I mean to make coffee. <laughs> Does anyone use them for coffee <laughs> I for their do intended sometimes. purpose? We well, yeah. Those horrible like plastic bags of coffee envelopes. Mm-hmm. I mean, really. I've had And then more. you come home and you've got your single origin Congolese, you know, picked by native people, one bean mm-hmm. at a time stuff.
0: Right. Well, or that coffee that gets shit through a monkey or a lemur oh, or whatever the, it is. Yeah, you know the,
1: and, and from Indonesia. Have yeah. you tried
0: that? No. It's super expensive.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Which means it must be fantastic. Probably. Like, right. Like cocaine.
0: I've been trying to do it. I feed my wife coffee every night and then try and sift through her... <laughs> No, I didn't. <laughs> wife, I'm making my own, my own homemade coffee. <laughs> yeah, well, she's uh, <laughs> she can climb trees. She's pretty good at climbing trees. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I've drank that. I've drank the hotel room coffee. But, yeah. No, I have wondered if they're spying on me in the hotels, but then again, I've also been thought.
1: Do you, like, you know, I I think about that when when there's all that hullabaloo about the machines in airports um, where you're supposed to, like, stand in there and get scanned with your arms up and all that I mean, I refuse to do it just because I'm not going to get in a fucking machine and raise my hands for the state, unless they actually get me on something. But anyway, the, when when people were upset about that initially, it was because they could see you naked, sort of, you know, because right. they could scan under your clothes and stuff. It just struck me as so weird that everybody's like, oh, I don't want them to see me. Like, really? What do you think you look like naked? Are you so special that... Like, well, does was, anyone give a fuck, you know? Well,
0: that was my, at the time, my joke about that was like, I don't want to see you naked either,
1: you know? Yeah. They were like, I don't want
0: people to see me naked. So the people well, who protesting should
1: be the poor guy in the back room who has to look I at gotta that gotta shit You have got to look at all them day. all naked. And yeah. also,
0: but the amount of the naked that you get to see, like a silhouette of somebody's camel toe, or I mean, <laughs> what the hell are you getting out of that? I feel, I sort of feel like, look... Anybody who is getting yeah. excited because they're working for the TSA and they get to see silhouettes of naked people doesn't understand the
1: internet because yeah.
0: look whatever it is you want to see, you right. can
1: see professionals doing that right yeah and not or amateurs whatever what, yeah sure amateur, which brings us back to you masturbating and so I'm what I'm. Wondering is, do you masturbate in a way that would be interesting enough to that, that anyone would really give a shit? You're right,
0: that's my fear. That's my fear that, <laughs> that you do so you kind have a of special know uninter- that it's so uninteresting oh. that that's what would be the problem. Here's this guy masturbating. Look, this is him having an orgasm, and it's not even
1: good. That's what I figure. I mean, I stopped like closing my drapes and shit because it's like, well, I don't know. You want to watch me jerk off? Go ahead. I don't care. Well, I'm not trying to. I'm not Um, trying to get an audience for that. I'm not trying either. I just don't give a shit one way or the other. It's like and there someone's gonna say, Oh, I saw you masturbate like, Yeah, all right. Whatever. Yeah. So I did it. I'm a grown up. I'm guilty as charged. What's what's next? Look
0: I feel like this is I'm alive. I'm you alive. can't
1: lose if you don't play the game, right? So I just opt out. Like, okay, guilty.
0: I close the window just because I don't want. I don't. I don't need children or old ladies, people who are going to be
1: shocked by it. Old ladies. Yeah. I think old ladies are the one, the only ones who might be interested. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to pay well, well, I
0: got for old out. ladies to watch me spank <laughs> it. <laughs> Oh, can we edit this out, Jake, please? This isn't live, is it? No, I'm sorry. (laughs) Now, if only I knew. Well, I found the easy way to put this into the machine. What I really wanted to talk about. Oh, my God. Yeah, see, it always. I think the last time we got together, it started off that way. I've met a guy who likes listening to us talk to each other, which didn't completely surprise me. We should say hi to him. He was a fan in Huntsville, Alabama. Hey. Yeah.
1: Hey, Huntsville. Where they have the Space and Rocketry Museum. Have you ever been there? I've never been to Alabama. But I'm going soon, I think, or Mississippi. For in your van tour? The, the Grand tour? Van Tour. That's yeah. what I really wanted to start off talking van about. Van Across America. Is
0: that what you're going to call it? No.
1: No, I don't know what I'm going to call it. I'm, I'm still trying to think of like a nickname for the van and some, some podcast tour.
0: Well, you know, there's the Palindrome of um, A Man, A Canal, Panama. And, oh, I don't
1: do palindromes.
0: But you could, a man, a van, a, no, Nav, he can't. I'm yeah. sorry.
1: I was thinking Van Morrison. That's kind of obvious. Uh, Rolling Thunder. He was a shaman. I sort of knew, or knew someone who knew him very well. I know his grandson. Uh, Rolling Blackout, just because I think it's a funny name, funny phrase. Right, right. Rolling Blackout, strike the West. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, what else? Uh Well, it's Mm burgundy-colored. Someone said I should call it Van Burgundy, but that's like a two-step-away joke from Ron Mm -hmm. Burgundy. What's even that... I don't think you're getting.
0: I didn't get it. When you first said Van Burgundy, I did Do you I get Ron
1: Burgundy? That, I do get okay, Ron you Burgundy. know who that was. Yeah.
0: But then that's another. You're, you you want to be your own famous guy.
1: Oh, I shouldn't be in reference to another yeah. fake famous guy.
0: Could you paint the outside of the van with a Trump l'oeil so it looks like the outside is made out of glass
1: and you're inside the van masturbating? <laughs> <laughs> that's a great idea. Yeah, that's a really funny idea. Like, it looks like you can see inside the van. <laughs> it's like an orgy going on or something. next right, right. with a bunch of ladies and you just turn towards the person who's looking like, oh, yeah, thumbs up. Yeah, some sort of like projection uh, so it's actually moving and stuff. Well, I, I, I do think I'm going to get a giant decal of the sad um, bonobo uh, from my Civilized to Death logo mm-hmm. and put that on the back. So there will be a a sad chimpanzee-looking thing with human hands and a Big Mac. Have you seen it? You've got the, the t-shirt, t-shirt, right? Got yeah. the T-shirt. Yeah, got so the that pullover. image on the back of the van, civilized oh, nice. to death. And so that'll give people a reason to come over and say, what the hell's going on over here back in the this van? Man? you got
0: to do the side of the van, too.
1: Yeah, yeah, probably do something on the side. I don't know. Anyway, just, just finish the first... Sort of shakedown cruise, you know, like the first maiden voyage. Figure out what works, what I need to to work on more. And uh, so you
0: decided not to go with a brand new van. You went. So this is van talk. Yeah. You, you decided not to go with a brand new van.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a couple reasons. One is that, uh, and this might uh, people might not care about this, but Sprinter vans, which is what I wanted, they're made by Mercedes. Yes. They're sort of the best for the kind of thing I want to do. They're, they're, they get great mileage. I mean, that van gets the same mileage as the car I drive around, like 20 to 25 miles per gallon. It's incredible. Wow, that is incredible. Yeah, so it's a very good engine, very efficient, powerful, five-cylinder diesel, uh, turbo. And um, But starting in 2008, the emissions uh, laws changed in the U.S. And so... Um, Mercedes had to slap on this sort of special filtration system to meet the. They didn't do what Volkswagen did, which just like fuck with the computers. So they actually, you know, came up with a way to filter the emissions, and uh, it mess. It's it's a expensive, complicated. You know, so you
0: want the pre 2008 So
1: you want a pre two thousand eight to avoid that. Yeah. So I got a two thousand six, and. Uh, relatively low mileage for a diesel. And, uh, you know, also I was thinking I was going to use the next chunk of my advance from Civilized to Death to buy the van. But now I'm like, my editor was like, yeah, no, we're going to talk a little bit more before you see the next chunk of that advance. So I didn't want to wait for that. I want to do the tour right. this summer. So I was like, okay, uh, get it used. I found one. And this wonderful mechanic, uh, Oliver Sharp it's not oliver thorpe i want to go oliver sharp is it oliver it's oliver i got the oliver part It's oliver thorpe oliver thorpe who uh is based he's got an auto shop here in um chatsworth Mm -hmm. and so he's like hey man i hear you're getting a van you know i've i've renovated them before and uh, i've got an auto shop i'd love to help you out and i went and met him and we became buddies and we spent the last month working on it nights and weekends and uh yeah, so I just got back from a five-day trip out to the Salton Sea, Joshua Tree, and uh, the Bombay Beach Biennale, which people can read about. There are a couple articles coming out just now. It was sort of a secret thing when it was uh, about to happen. The organizers asked us not to put anything on social media. And this
0: is the second annual.
1: Bombay. This was the second, although it's year one. They, last year was year zero. Because they didn't know if
0: it was like a spontaneous thing, and then they decided that was great. Let's do another
1: one. Well, yeah, I wouldn't say spontaneous, but very low key. I mean, there's a lot of planning and work that goes into it. They had, you know, famous philosophers, famous authors uh, um, uh, giving lectures. They world famous artists. They had um, some of the the greatest ballet uh, dancers in the country were performing there. They had fantastic music. Um, like, you know, great DJs and all these art installations. So they had stages
0: and sound systems. Yeah. And it was
1: a thing. Cranes, you know, it's, yeah, it's like the origins of Burning Man. It's, it's just really creative, interesting people. And the basic idea um, was Tal Ruspoli, who's been on my podcast a few times. He's an Italian prince who was married to Olivia Wilde for eight years. Mm-hmm. And so he sort of, his father was this famous Italian prince who, who hung out with uh, Salvador Dali and Luis Buñuel and Brigitte Bardot and that whole crowd. So, so Tao was sort of raised in a surrealist world where you know he's in a castle half the time in Italy and the other time he's in Venice Beach. But Italy doesn't have a monarchy
0: so he's a prince of Well they
1: have royal well not they don't have a monarchy, but they have families that are titled by the Pope. I see so so, so he's one of those. And and there's wealth. There's family wealth. There's family wealth. They're castles and you know lands and stuff. Uh, his he told me the story. His family was uh like they defended I don't know if it was Pope. Clement or something in the 1300s they Mm -hmm. raised an army and defended him against whoever was fucking with the pope in those days and so after that the pope granted them all this land and this this title of you know whatever and um like Handel was the family composer wow yeah like Handel lived in the castle and wrote ditties for you know his ancestors. Anyway, he's a really interesting guy. A really uh, cool guy. And he doesn't come across as princely at all. He's like totally chill and and laid back and fun and so he had this idea where He sort of loves American surrealism, you know? So he loves, for example, Airstreams and trailers. He's got a bunch of, a collection of these trailers. Yeah, yeah. And he loves the kind of... A lot of of people love Airstreams, though. Those are the... Oh, they're great. Yeah. I mean, they're classic. They're beautiful. And he's got a great sense of the aesthetic as well. So anyway, Bombay Beach is this ruins of this place that in the 50s was supposed to be, like the Beach Boys used to go out there and Frank Sinatra. And it was going to be like this really hip sort of mini Vegas on this inland sea about two hours outside of L.A. and The Salton Sea. The Salton Sea, which was created actually by an engineering mistake. Uh, there was a canal bringing water from the Colorado River to somewhere, I don't know, and the, like a backhoe operator <laughs> fucked something up and broke a wall and the canal like flooded out and, and they couldn't stop it for like 30 years or something. And it created this huge sea. And yeah. it's now it's drying up, though. It's drying up because there's no input, uh-huh. you know. Uh, and it's super salty. It's, it's, I think it's as salty as the Dead Sea or maybe saltier. Um, so it's... Anyway, the point is, people go out there, it's very photogenic because there are ruins of this town that was built with all these great aspirations in the fifties, it was going to be this big deal. But then the sea starts shrinking. The the beach keeps going away. So how do you build on the beach when the beach is moving away? It's right. sort of the opposite of what's happening in Miami and Bangladesh where the beach is coming in. So it's abandoned essentially. And there are a couple hundred people living out there and, uh,
0: and it's not even a real beach now. The water's too salty. Nothing,
1: you you nothing don't lives swim in, in there. No. You don't want to get it in the water. It stinks. Yeah. There are tilapia fish in there, and but there are you know, algae blooms and die-offs. And it's, it's a very post-apocalyptic scene out there. Right. And so it's great. Like There are always music videos being shot out there and fashion shoots and... You know, there are all these things happening, but all these artists will come out, do their art, taking advantage of this very scenic, bizarre, interesting, otherworldly atmosphere, and then they leave, And and nothing stays behind for the people who are trying to live there. So Tao's idea was, let's do an art festival where each year we leave behind more installations and interesting things and things that make this town more interesting so more people will come the rest of the time, and help enrich the people who live so here. So it
0: becomes a destination the rest of the year. Exactly. Well. Yes. Yeah.
1: So it's it's a really cool thing that they're doing. And in the, the beginning of it was don't tell anyone. I like he asked me to give a talk there, and I said, "Oh, how many people are going to be there?" He said, "I don't know, as few as possible." It's like oh, you have a funny way of like, promoting an event, <laughs> yeah. you know. But it's, it works because now, of course, everyone wants to hear about it. Everyone wants to get in on sure. the ground floor. People want to help. It's this beautiful tribal um, energy of everybody just contributing. And there's no money. There are fresh oysters being served and cocktails. And I didn't pay a dime for anything the whole time. It's all So, so just, that's Prince money. You're spending his Prince some money. Some of it's Prince money. And his two partners are... Um, uh, I think her name's Lily, who's from the Johnson and Johnson family, mm-hmm. and a really interesting guy named Stefan Ashkenazi, who owns a hotel in Hollywood called the Petit Hermitage, mm-hmm. which is a very like fancy art, hip, bohemian kind of uh, hotel, and the, the three of them uh, paid for a lot of it, and uh, the rest is all volunteer. And how? What was the turnout? Like, how many people were hundreds? I don't know how many. Nobody keeps track. <laughs> and do they all camp? And, and uh, there's some houses that could be rented around there, but most of the people either came in for the day um, and and were you know elsewhere. Like it, Coachella was this weekend, so people came down from Coachella or from Palm Springs right. or around, or, um, or a lot of people were in campers, like me in my van, yeah. Sounds yeah. great. It the was crazy. Look, the
0: pictures look unbelievable.
1: Yeah, anyone who's listening to this who wants to to check it out, if you're on Instagram, just um, hashtag Bombay Beach Biennale, which Biennale means every other year, but they do it every year because it's, it's way, absurd. every other year Everything's it's the way absurd. it was
0: originally because people don't show up for that year.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think people don't,
0: though. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I always get confused with "by" bi- bi- monthly, and it turns out it can be it can mean either twice a month or every other month.
1: Which you know, if you're going to have a word, it shouldn't mean two different things
0: that are that are four times different from each exactly. other. Exactly, several
1: orders of magnitude, yeah. whatever that is. Do you know what an order of magnitude is? No, I, don't I get either. a little
0: confused. I between, pretend I do,
1: but I really don't.
0: Yeah, well, I think I think that's true of a lot of things that go on, at yeah. least for myself.
1: I mean, I always assumed an order of magnitude was like uh, 10 times that much. So like 100 is one order of magnitude greater than 10. But I don't think that's true.
0: I think it's more like exponential. Like if you have 2, then one order of magnitude is 4. So 2 times 2, and two orders of magnitude is 2 times 2 times 2, so 8.
1: Um, oh that's what that's what i think but i could well maybe you do know what an order of magnitude well i
0: did hate i took some math a long time i was good at math so that's linear and exponential but i'm not and i think magnitude is exponential
1: but what would be like one order of magnitude or two orders of magnitude bigger than 50 how would you figure that out
0: 50 times 50 times 50
1: oh so i can't just start with the 50 okay this is fascinating for our listeners. Well, yeah. and, and, and potentially to wrong. Math and
0: potentially wrong. So, not only, is, not only is it mathematical and possibly boring, but it could also <laughs> totally be flawed information. So, thanks for listening. Um, but uh, that was still great information about the Bombay Beach Biennale. So, that's where I want to go next year. This year, I was up at Mammoth Mountain. Mm. We went skiing. Uh, was well, that
1: the trip you canceled when your septic tank exploded?
0: Well, it was sort of a make good on that trip. Mm. We, a friend of mine is a uh, neuroscientist. <laughs> Certain neurosci- I have a friend who's a neuroscientist. You have a friend who's a prince. But I have a friend who's a neuroscientist. And I think his- I met him. Yes, you did. Dutch guy. You did, right? right? And mm. so his boss has got this house in Mammoth that, that he let us use and i thought it was going to be a spring trip to the mountains and i didn't realize that mammoth is tucked in this weird geographical snow pocket you know it snowed the day we drove up really which was you know thursday in the middle of april huh and uh, the whole mountain is open and potentially they're still going to be skiing on july 5th what yeah wow or fourth, I think the fourth is the last day they said. Like they like to finale it on the fourth yeah, of July. But yeah. yeah, so it was, it was, it was beautiful and amazing. But there wasn't any kind of art festival. I made. Oh, think.
1: that's great. Well, nature, nature is an art yeah, festival. Yeah, it was beautiful, especially if you take LSD.
0: Oh, Did you take bro- LSD, Jake? I didn't. Not this trip. Uh, I just took red wine. But at my <laughs> age now, uh, they, they have a similar effect. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Did nature become artistic?
0: Makes you want to stay up all night and go,
1: wow, Wow, what does this look like to you? Does anyone have a Pink Floyd record? Yeah. So another big event in my life, and this one relates directly to you, my man. Great. Remember I was talking about getting a mountain bike? Yes,
0: yes. And I was telling you about my
1: electric bike. And you told me about your electric bike, which sounded great. And then... I started you and I walked around Venice Beach here, and we looked at uh, the mountain bike situation and saw that there are actually electric assisted mountain bikes, yes, which then appealed to me a lot because where I live in topanga i 'm sort of like to go anywhere interesting requires going up about two thousand feet to get to the the ridge line, mm-hmm. and then the ridge line you have these beautiful. Trails that you know run along various ridges up in the mountains. What, what are those? The Santa Monica Mountains, I think? Yes. Um, really nice, but I know myself well enough to know that if getting up there requires me pedaling up 2,000 feet of dirt road, I'm not going to get up there very often. You know? You're probably going to do it once. I'll do it once and go, wow, that was beautiful. Now what do I do with this $3,000 bike I've got? Mm-hmm. So. I started looking into the electric assist mountain bikes because I figured with those I'd actually get out and do stuff, and they're very expensive. Jake. Yeah, well,
0: that was the thing. That was the thing that I found when I was shopping for electric bikes. But I found a, a road bike that I liked that was reasonably priced, made by this skateboard guy. Yeah, e, they're called E Glide. If anybody is interested in, a, in an electric road bike, E G L I D E, and. Uh, Reasonably priced, made with off-the-shelf components from, you know, his the guy who supplies, so you can replace the parts. And right, and right. and that was reasonable, but still, it was not cheap. It was, yeah. I think, it was twelve hundred bucks for right. a bike or something.
1: So around this time, as as luck would have it, uh, I was in touch with a guy named um, Ryan Cleek who is a mountain bike racer and journalist and documentary filmmaker. And he's like super in the world of mountain biking. And I told him, Hey, I'm thinking of, you know, I was going to spring for this mountain bike. It's like 3,500 bucks. And I was going to, mm-hmm. I was thinking like, maybe I'm going to bite the bullet on this. And I said, what do you think of this thing? I'm thinking of getting this. And he said, um, yeah. Okay. That's sort of entry level. Let, let me talk to some people and get back to you. So, he talked to some people at Specialized, which is one of the main, like the biggest mountain bike companies, you know, really, they produce mm-hmm. really good stuff, and uh, and he told them about my podcast, and they said, yeah, we'll give him one. So they gave me a beautiful, beautiful bike, I and mean, you got to come ride it around, and they didn't ask me for anything. I told them I don't do advertising, but... I'll talk about it, which I am right now, mm-hmm. um, just out of sheer gratitude. And uh, it's beautiful. It is such a nice bike. Full suspension, front, back, f- those fat tires, you know. It's like a burnt orange color, like like oh uh, this thing you've got on the table here. It's just really a beautiful bike. No motor, though. Yeah. Oh, it has a motor. motor, too? Yeah. Oh,
0: my it's God. It's
1: a $7,500 bike, man. They wow. gave it to me. Yeah. Wow. Because I'm surprised, because I have a fucking podcast. Can you believe it? We have a popular podcast. I have a popular fucking podcast. Yeah, so it's like thanks to my audience, you know. And I said to them, like, even those of you who don't get, send me any money, just the fact that, that you listen to it has I've leveraged that into a mountain. Bike. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. If you're not yeah. going to send money, I had a listener send me some spam. Um, Spam email or actual? Well, that spam. was, I sent a joke about here's this is my email. If you want to email me, you can email me at Jake at com. And I said, but don't spam me. So then she sent spam. Oh, that was, yeah.
1: That's, that's sweet.
0: Yeah. It's not a mountain bike. And I'm not asking for a mountain bike. <laughs> well, why not? Put it out there. <laughs> but if you could get 10,000 more people to listen to each of you, that would really be helpful. <laughs> I can turn that into a mountain bike. <laughs> you can turn it into a mountain bike. Well, so I'm surprised yeah. you can ride the mountain bike down from Topanga because ha- you could take some massive
1: trips with that thing, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, it depends. Do they tell you the range? Have you yeah. been? Whole, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the range depends obviously how how much electricity you use, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, there are three settings and. If you've got it on the high setting, you're probably looking at like 30 miles or something, you know, 30, right. 40 miles. But if you have it on the lowest setting, you know, 90, 100 miles. So you've got gears and the motor, right? Yeah. So you can actually yeah. shift down. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it sounds
0: pretty. Amazing. So it's really. Yeah, I do want to see that.
1: And, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of revolutionized my thinking in some ways because it's, it's so metaphorical. I was writing it uh, and I was thinking like this is the way life should be. Because you can't it's not a motorbike. You can't sit back and turn the throttle and get fat. You have to work, you have to pedal. Yes. Mm-hmm. But the more you pedal, the more it helps you. So it kind of always keeps you right at that that level where you're working hard enough that you're getting a workout. You're building up a nice sweat if you're going mm-hmm. uphill, you know. But but you never get to the point where you say, Oh fuck this and you just stop and go home. Right, it, right? You never which for me that you know if I cross that barrier then it's time for a But beer. it's not socialism in in
0: other words you don't always go the same speed no matter how hard That's you work. That's
1: exactly what I'm getting at. This is the way government assistance should work. This is the way international aid should work. This is the way teaching should work, parenting, everything. It's like okay, you want my help? Let me see how hard you're willing to work and that'll determine how much help I'm giving you.
0: So you do go faster. As you work fast as you pedal harder, you go you get more speed. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So it doesn't govern it doesn't govern you back so that no matter how hard you work, you're always
1: going ten miles an hour. <laughs> no, that would be very frustrating. <laughs> that's, that's communism. That's, <laughs> that's why that's it all fell apart. Exactly. Yeah. This is like, like sort of enlightened capitalism or something. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, and I, it it always reminded me of teachers, like a good teacher. You know, like I'm not gonna do it for you. But if I see that you're really interested and you're putting some effort into this then that makes me want to help you more because mm-hmm. now i see like it's going to actually uh, have an effect you know so uh yeah so it's uh, it's a metaphor for life itself thank you specialized <laughs> yeah, it's great.
0: Well, so now, but you've got so many vehicles now because I was hoping. Oh, I've got I get a get fleet. To, I thought you were going to drive the van over today and I get to see the I van. I thought
1: of it, but I'm going, after I leave this, I'm going to uh production office and I have to park in the garage and get valeted and I'll, you know, probably. Yeah, I had a pickup truck the that was
0: the, the, just at the edge of how tall you could get into parking garages, and it was it caused a lot of anxiety. Yeah, yeah. Because that van is definitely taller than a lot of garages. It's a high, yeah. yeah.
1: I tried to take it into a car wash, one of those spray car washes, and I couldn't even get into that.
0: What about now? How do you feel now that you have the van? Because I, I think about the idea of a van. Taking We're going on this vacation to Iceland. My family and I, we rented this. We're renting a van that's not... It's the Ford version of that kind of van, Ford so Transit. Yeah, mm. except they call it something else in Iceland, a commuter or something like that. But yeah, they I think would. it's the same. They, they have. To, I don't know. I don't understand who commutes
1: in Iceland. Like, where do you commute to? There's one city. You're going to the other volcano. We live on this volcano, but <laughs> we work <laughs> on <laughs> the other
0: volcano. <laughs> we work on that one. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to have the experience of of driving and camping in the van. But uh, did you consider at all getting, like the vehicle that you have in the driveway, which is sort of an SUV thing, that could
1: tow an Airstream. So you could have gotten an Airstream and pulled it around. A buddy of mine did that. He just bought one, Mm -hmm. uh, a new Airstream. Yeah. I thought of it, but towing things is kind of a pain in the ass, one. Uh, Two, you know, having to get out of your car to get into your Airstream all the time. Yeah. Back and forth, back and forth is mm-hmm. is sort of a hassle. Three, I want to be able to just pull into someone's driveway and crash, you know, or park, you know, stealth camp, put some curtains over right. the windows and nobody knows I'm in there. You can't really do that with an Airstream, yeah. you know. I just, I like low-key, low-level, low keep, keep it simple and, and you know. So and that's why I did this with the used thing, and you know, if I really get into this, maybe down the road I'll get a new one, a four wheel drive or whatever, and get all fancy with it. But for now, this one's just great for so me. You got a fridge in there, but
0: you don't yeah. have a toilet, right? Well, I got one of those bucket toilets. Yeah, that's what you want. I think that's what you, you want. Just a shit in a bag, yeah, you know? because you don't want to be. You don't want to. Poop inside of a tank that then you have to rinse out and worry about like what's that smell and how do I get rid of that you know yeah. they, it, when it's the bucket you go I'm just you know what I'm getting a new bucket this bucket
1: well no you, there's a plastic bag liner you I don't know need a but a bucket but every time you shit Jake. no come I knew, on
0: yeah I know that but my point was you got the RV something goes wrong with that system on the RV now you got to troubleshoot there's there's pipes and tubes right. and valves and right. tanks that are kind of now you're
1: speaking as a man who's been traumatized by your plumbing
0: i've had some i've had some bad plumbing problems (laughs) i mean when i was building this house which i didn't build a guy built it but when i was talking to the guy who was building this house based on the plan and the idea i was constantly asking the question when when this breaks how do we fix it right you know because the problem is not oh we've got this where here's where we put the unit and here's where we put the controls for the unit. The problem is like when the unit breaks and you got to put a new control in and get a wire to go from this place or that place, or where's the, where does the electricity to run the pump that's in the tank that you crap into, where does that go? How's how does that hooked up? And so you got to know that stuff going in. Otherwise you're just trying to take x-rays or suss it out. Yeah,
1: Well, that, that's why I was so happy that Oliver Thorpe, uh, you know wanted to help me do this thing because i i want to know where the stuff is i want to know how it fits together so later i can take it apart if i need to well but then that's the uh, that's also the lo- the logic of having your poop in a
0: bucket instead of having a system in your vehicle is the same as the logic of having the tow vehicle and the camper be separate in other words so when the engine and the Workings of all of that go bad, you don't also have truck. to throw away a camper, right? You know, yeah, yeah. But, uh, but I think realistically, if you buy the right engine van thing, you, you've you've sold
1: hopefully you've the sold right engine van thing is engine y is, that a, is yeah. that a new
0: word? I should have just said engine-y. van, <laughs> but
1: I. <laughs> What, what I love is I've been working in this this auto shop for the last month, and it feels so fucking manly, you know, with power tools. It sounds, and ban-
0: it sounds manly. Van- like, I almost well, said
1: vanly. Vanly, <laughs> manly. A lot of gru- a lot of grunting going on, mm-hmm. you know, but appropriate grunting when you're like holding a thing up and pushing a thing, and it's great. Not sexual. Not non-sexual grunting.
0: Did it? Uh, did you skin your knuckles? Did you? Were there any injuries while I- you were doing your? fixing
1: uh i don't think i really did oliver did oliver jammed a piece of wood in his hand at one point but he was doing like 95 percent of the work and i was you know bringing beer and sort of standing by (laughs) listening
0: to him explain what he
1: was doing (laughs) exactly watching so i could (laughs) tell some other guy how to like fix it later um but yeah no he actually had a piece of concrete fall on his foot this weekend out at the in the desert, but that's mm-hmm. not related but um It is related because he did you a favor, and then you did him a favor by inviting him to the... And he got hurt, yeah. So I feel terrible about that. But he seems, uh, hopefully he's okay. He's being all macho about it, and I'm telling him, get a fucking x-ray, dude. And he's like, yeah, it'll be all right. Especially
0: with your foot
1: or your hands, because,
0: I mean, it's one thing to break a bone in your arm and it doesn't heal right, and, well, that's that's one thing. But to have your hand or your foot not work for the rest of your life or have to go in and have it re... Broken or something, chronic pain and all that. Yeah, I don't want that. So you're going to become from a world traveler now. You're becoming more of an America
1: traveler for the moment. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the idea. Someone actually wrote to me and asked me if I was going to bring the van to New Zealand. I thought that was a strange question.
0: I think you can do it. It just costs. You can do anything you want if you've got enough money. But you'd have to put the van on a boat, obviously, and then. I've I've got a friend who moved to Denmark because he has a a wife who's Danish and so he was allowed to move. You can't just move to Denmark. But they were trying to bring their vehicle from here there and they have these weird taxes. You know, there's taxes and admission requirements and it's just, you can't, you don't want to just, you want to buy a van there.
1: Yeah, yeah. So yeah, my plan is uh, sometime in June, hopefully, um, take off and travel across the South, and essentially, it, you know, it'll be partly scheduled stuff, like, you know, I'd like to, I think you and I talked, you, I know you and I talked about Doug Stanhope. Yes. You yeah, you want to go on. there. Yeah, I want to go to Bisbee and see Doug, I want to, uh, there's some people in Texas I want to talk to, and so it'll be sort of a podcast tour going along, so going to go. you're going to
0: podcast from here
1: to the South
0: and then come back? Because uh, Bisbee is very close No, to no, LA. this this
1: will be on a tour. So I'll go down there, then up into Colorado. There's some people I'm going to see in Colorado. Then down around through Texas, I'm going to go to New Orleans, where I've never been. I'm going there next week. You, New Orleans is I a place I I could carry your bags, about. man. Yeah, I know. You make that great Cajun food on Christmas Day. Yes, and I, go, yeah. and I know some places to go. I Good. love New Orleans. Well, New Orleans I'd love to hit you up for some some... Advice. So I'm going to go to New Orleans. Then I've never been to the Deep South, so I'd like to mm-hmm. drive up through Mississippi, Alabama, and sort of you know experience racism firsthand. Maybe attend a Klan rally. Then uh,
0: mm, I don't know. Can how much you hook you're me up some Klan I rallies? can't. I don't. Well, I don't think it's Have that hard. Have you performed at a Klan rally? Would, would you no. do?
1: Would you open for the Grand <laughs> the Grand Dragon or <laughs> Well, if the money's right. Um,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't think the Klan is looking to hire a guy like me. I could be wrong, and I don't want to judge anybody.
1: I would tell you about when uh, Casilda, my wife, who's grew up speaking Portuguese and speaks seven languages, we are watching a Coen Brothers film, the O oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Yeah. And there's a scene where they come up over a hill, and there's a Klan rally going on in the valley, and there's the burning crosses and the hoods and you know all the whole shit going on. and. She sees that and she leans over to me in the theater and she says, is that the couscous clan?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Couscous clan. Boy, try and bring some couscous to the Covered Dish clan rally. Exactly. You know, potluck.
1: Next week we're doing tagine. Yeah. You know, well, I would do, if I was going
0: to go down and do a little van tour, I would be interested in doing the Mississippi River
1: blues music. Right, and, you know, like the, the Delta. Juke joints and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly what I'm thinking. You know, go to the crossroads where Robert Johnson made his deal with the devil. and mm-hmm. So all that. And then up into the, like the Appalachia, you know, Nashville, never been to Nashville.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, I just had my... You the were just there. That I was on yeah. that trip to go yeah. to all of those so places. See, you've
1: been everywhere. I've, I'm a neophyte. I've and been then, a lot of
0: places in the U.S.
1: Yeah. And then over to the East Coast, South Carolina, North Carolina, Virginia. There are some people I want to see there, different authors mm-hmm. and interesting people. And then blast it to Montana.
0: Go and across then, the top? Don't even stop? No, you wanna, You got to
1: stop. I don't know. I mean, I, you were talking about Pittsburgh. Uh, I grew up in Pittsburgh till I was 15, Right right near Pittsburgh. So I was thinking maybe drop in there and sort of look around and st- you know, old time's sake. But I don't know, that that kind of nostalgia just bums me out really.
0: Yeah, me too. But but Pittsburgh is a cool place. It, I, I hear mean, it's cool.
1: Not... It wasn't cool when I left. It was smoky and polluted and horrible, but that was like nineteen seventy. No, but if I was going through
0: that area, I would, well, you gotta go to the Andy Warhol Museum. You gotta what about Centralia? That's Centralia Coal fire? Do you know about that? That's been
1: burning forever?
0: For, for decades. Yeah. You yeah. know, they've abandoned towns because of this fire in the coal mine. They've, coal, it burns so slowly, but the heat comes up. And
1: yeah. To... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe Chicago. I was thinking maybe go to Michigan up to the northern peninsula of Michigan. Mm-hmm. I've never been up there. It's beautiful. That there. could be interesting. So anyway, get up to Montana and then spend the rest of the summer just sort of gradually meandering down through the Rocky Mountains. Uh, You know Wyoming, Idaho. I I don't know those areas. Is this this year? Yeah, that's this this summer. That's the idea. Yeah. So yeah, so that's that's what I'm gearing up for.
0: I got a gig in Bozeman. I'll tell you when I'm there. Yeah,
1: that'd be fun. It'd be fun to like hook up on the road, Bozeman. Yeah, Yeah. and you know there's a a total solar eclipse August twenty first. And it goes right across North America from Oregon through Idaho, Wyoming, and then down through, like, Kansas and sort of down southeast.
0: So we won't see it up here or here in Los Angeles or too far south? No, you
1: got to go up, like, into Oregon, Mm -hmm. you know, latitude-wise. But, yeah, depending when your gig is, if you're around there at that time, like, you can jump in the van and we'll drive down and you know, watch the eclipse, and then I'll take you to an airport. I had, last time I saw an eclipse, that's why I'm saying this, uh, it was across Germany, and I scheduled a flight. I had to fly from Barcelona to San Francisco, and I scheduled it on Lufthansa, so I changed planes in Munich, and I had like a four-hour layover, and this buddy of mine drove up. He was a fashion model. He drove up from Baden-Baden, where he lived, in his silver Porsche, Picked me up at the airport, turned around, drove back down. All his friends are on this hilltop. We watched the eclipse, had a couple of beers. Oh, amazing. Back in the Porsche, back to the airport, back on the plane, flew to San Francisco. Wow, that sounds like a solid trip. Best layover ever. Almost. Yeah, best non-sexual layover ever. Yeah, you didn't get laid on your layover. It did not that one.
0: slightly disappointing.
1: I saw a full eclipse. It was a full amazing. eclipse
0: with fashion models. With fashion
1: models and good German beer. Who can yeah. complain about That's that? That's always
0: my first question when someone says, would you like to go watch the eclipse? It's like, are there going to be any fashion models there?
1: you got to have the beautiful people around to make you feel ugly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I'm, I'm past that. I've, I'm at an age where it doesn't, that young, beautiful people, they don't care about me and I can observe them freely. <laughs>
1: Like, with binoculars from the well, bushes? Just, you just watch what they're doing. They don't
0: think you're dangerous anymore. That's you're just right. like the old...
1: you know. like the toothless lion that doesn't scare yeah. the zebras no, anymore. You don't have to worry about it. <laughs> he's not going to be biting anybody. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> but, you know, like we were saying, I think it was before you turned on the mics, we were joking about how...
0: Oh, people what, don't listen to. Uh, uh, yeah.
1: Their uh, elders but there was, some, there was some, like, oh, like you said, used a phrase that young people don't use and, like, you know, you felt outdated or whatever. Yes. yes. And I was saying, like, fuck that, man. Young people should want to be like us. I don't want to be like young people. Are you kidding? They're full of shit, these young people. They don't know how anything works. They're looking in their fucking phones all day. They don't know how to talk to people of the opposite sex. Young people are a mess. Yeah, well, and, and I don't blame them. By the way, any young people who are listening to this, I'm not blaming you. You're you're growing up in a really fucked up world that is more and more fucked up the further down the drain it spirals. So our world, I think, was just slightly less fucked up. So we're a little, you know, healthier in some ways. But
0: I guess so. I, I mean, my advice, my advice generally is is just keep just if you think it's a good idea fashion-y kind of advice. Like, my wife one time gave me a hard time because I was wearing socks with Birkenstocks and, then, and shorts. And, you know, two years later, I saw rappers wearing that. It's like, <laughs> I write the book. If you're cool, what you do is cool.
1: Dad fashion is, yeah. is finally taking off, huh? Yeah, That's it's good. like,
0: look, I do what I want. Yeah. And then other people yeah. figure out, they decide if they want to participate in that, yeah. but I'm not. Uh,
1: well, you know, there's research that backs this up. All right. There, there's really this very interesting study I read about where they're trying to look at uh, how clothing uh, affects a man's attractiveness to women. Right. Mm-hmm. So they had the same guys in three different outfits, and then you know they, they had hundreds, uh, maybe a hundred guys, let's say, but three photos of each guy in like sort of cheap. You know, Kmart, Target wear, you know, just whatever, you know, no name, shirt, uh, like looking like a guy who works in a department store, you know, whatever, just sort of working class, entry level guy. Then they had the same guy in a nice suit and tie and all that. And of course, the women. You know, seeing these photos, they rated the, the guy with the suit and tie being more attractive than the guy, not because it signals success or money, or whatever, right? But then they added the third outfit, which was like absolutely unstudied, like whatever, just a fucking shirt and shorts and it didn't match and it was all like ill fitting or whatever. And a lot of the women, a highly significant number of the women, rated that guy more attractive than the suit. And so the, the, the conclusion is that the ranking of men in women's mind, many women's minds, is lowest level is the guy who's trying and failing. Mid-level is the guy who's trying and succeeding. Highest level is the guy who just doesn't give a fuck, doesn't even, isn't even trying.
0: Yeah, the, the enigma.
1: The enigma or the guy who's like, eh, you know, I'm not playing that game. You know, I've, my feet are cold, so I'm going to wear socks with my Birkenstocks. You know, I don't care. And I want to wear comfortable
0: shoes. I want oh, to wear comfortable
1: to wear shoes. shoes. Yeah. I mean, I'm beyond worrying about how I look to you people. That's a pretty cool place to be. It is, and that's where we are, Jake.
0: That is where we are. I mean, which in is the sense, why we're sitting bring here. Bring it around. I'm not trying to get laid. <laughs>
1: Well, you're married to a lovely, lovely woman. I got
0: an attractive wife with a great sense of humor. And uh, I I always said, you know, when I was, before I had a wife, you know, and I would think about my particular situation, it's like, <clears throat> I'm fishing with some exotic bait. So I don't catch, I'm, I'm only trying to catch one fish, mm. right? I'm trying to find the person who's right for me. Right. And I found my wife. so. It's exotic bait. Not all the fish like it, but the fish right. that do like it love it. Right. And so, right. I, I, so there's that. Well, that's a little different than what you're saying because I, I think, I think it's that whole like not caring. Like I don't care. I'm not trying to get laid. I'm just trying to be comfortable, or I'm just trying to dress practical for, or, or I think this looks good, or just like, I, or I think mostly it's I don't care what you think. I mean, yeah. that that is that's kind of one of the secrets of success as on stage as a stand-up comic it's like I don't care if I think these jokes are funny I'm doing my best to explain to you why I think they're funny and help you to get where I am mm. appreciating these jokes but if you don't like them that's there's not another thing I'm not going to change not, my I act I don't have a, another yeah. show that I do for for you Nazis for people with bad sense your, of humor yeah coos, coos
1: <laughs> <clan>. <laughs> so how long has it been since you bombed on stage
0: yeah, well I, I feel like that that doesn't happen now just because I can go to uh, you know you can go to material that you know works or you can I mean I su- yeah it doesn't That's a that's it a that's... and also I'm not having that situation I'm not going to go on. I mean there are situations where you bomb because everybody bombs because no one can succeed because it's a bar and they've got a sporting event on. Right. Everybody's completely hammered, but if, if I'm not doing a show in that situation anymore. So Right. Right.
1: Yeah, and that's sort of a I guess that's something that happens as you're coming up and you're trying new things and you don't understand how to read crowds so well and all. But I mean every comic I've talked to said like that's part of being becoming a comic. You have to bomb. You have to you have go to, through it,
0: yeah. You have to have that experience because that's how you learn to. That's how you learn to do your show. You do well, that's how you learn
1: to do what you just were so talking so about. To not so give care. a shit. I don't right? care what
0: you think. I'm doing my show. Right. You paid or you didn't pay or you're here. Right. There's a show and I'm doing my show, so I'm fulfilling my end of the bargain. You know whether you enjoy it or not is I can't I can't control that. I mean I'm doing my best to make sure that that happens. but yeah. I can't I can't yeah. I can't force you to have a good time.
1: I saw a show a couple years ago. It was on September 11th. It was in a strip club here in L.A. And somebody had the idea of getting uh, four or five comics to do their act interspersed with the stripping. So there'd be strippers dancing, all these people at the bar chatting, and then they'd turn off the music and a comic went up. And it was just impossible it was because no no one was paying attention they didn't even have a spotlight on the comic so he's standing there in the dark there are a few people at the tables right around the stage who were paying attention but then there's all this chatting and laughing in the bar and it was so bad so poorly thought out and i was sitting at the table with the comics you know and and each one would go up knowing it was like watching the christians going into the lions it's like Okay, your turn. You know, and like you're just going to go up there and be humiliated and feel absolutely horrible.
0: It's not fun while you're on stage, but is the most that is the most fun as a comic to watch your friend go on stage in that situation. Sure bomb is the best. It's just the most fun to watch them keep keep trying to swim yeah. in this motor oil turd. Yeah,
1: exactly. So my buddy Duncan Trussell. Do you know him? Uh, I've never met him. I've never listened to his podcast. uh, I'm I'm anxious to meet him. I'd love to introduce, you know. So he goes up, and and we were laughing. I'm like, Duncan, what are you going to do, man? You're you're fucked, dude. You are so fucked. And he goes up, and and he said his first line was something like, this place looks like the inside of an old lady's handbag or something, because it was all this chintzy bullshit, mirrors and stuff. And then he said... um, Yeah, I'd like, since it's 9-11, he's talking in a quiet voice, he says, since this is 9-11, I think I'd like to have a moment of silence um, for the victims of the the bombing and and he stops, and of course, the people at the bar don't hear, and they're all laughing. And, and then he just goes off and starts screaming at them for their lack of respect for the victims of 9 11. You people should be ashamed of yourself. And he's just like screaming. And the whole, for the first time that night, everyone in the place was like, What the uh, fuck is going on? It was fantastic.
0: So he gets their attention, but then could he could he convert? Could he switch gears and get them to watch a comedy show after that? Or no,
1: no, no. He 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 did like maybe two or three jokes after that, and then he's like, "I'm just disgusted by all of you," and he just dropped the mic and walked away. <laughs>
0: yeah, because
1: <laughs> he knew he wouldn't hold it, right? Yeah,
0: you yeah. Know? You gotta. You, there's a time, there's an expiration date on that kind of attention.
1: <laughs> exactly, the shocked attention. Uh, but it was great because you know he took it as an opportunity to just do something outlandish which, yeah yeah you know, well done yeah well that's
0: that's the fun that is a fun thing about doing stand up is when you 're in that bad situation, like sometimes I go and I do a corporate gig or a or a you know a non comedy club show where it 's like a weird situation, but then to be able to succeed in that situation. Is that feels good? That right. feels like some
1: kind of little right. victory, right? You know? Yeah, and you're adapting and learning because you know at this stage, I mean, you've done this so much and for so long, so many places. You know, you probably it must be vitalizing, revitalizing for you to be in a new environment and have to figure something new out.
0: Well, that's so the last time we were, we talked was I was going on that little tour of the South, right. and, and it turned out to be really fun to do. Traditional comedy club venues, but on alternate nights where you it was... did Chuckles, didn't you? I think you were at Chuckles. No, I did. What did I do? Oh, the Comedy did... Zone, and oh, then come I did on. the uh,
1: Stardome. I remember you saying you were going to be at Chuckles, and we were we were like talking about was there an apostrophe or not? And remember, was it Chuckles? Uh, it wasn't Chuck. Oh. I don't think I was at Chuckles. Wow. Yeah, no, I was at uh,
0: Hardy Har Har's. there was a place So, when I moved to San Francisco to start doing comedy it was because Robin Williams had started out there and the club club was called the Holy City Zoo and it was a famous iconic comedy club and lots of people it was just a great place but it had a hundred seats but when Mm -hmm. that place kind of went out of business or ran its course and they sold it to someone else and and they wanted too much money for the Holy City Zoo name so they changed the name to the "haha ha o gogo." Go.
1: Yeah, good work.
0: Yeah, it didn't. It didn't. I think the idea was this name is so terrible that that's what's funny about it. But uh, that kind of thinking can backfire
1: on you. It generally does. Yeah, like so bad it's good. That's a tough. That's a tough one to pull off.
0: It can only happen by accident. You can't do it on purpose. I think so. so. It's good on purpose.
1: Well, that was getting back to the Bombay Beach Biennale. uh, Someone said, "If this were any, if this were any less horrible, it would suck." and
0: I was like I, I well, get that well although when I That's looked good. at the pictures I can see what that person meant but I can it's going to get less horrible I mean it's going to be successful well it's, it's the, the, kind the place
1: of- is really intense I mean it's so it's dusty it, there's, there's like a stink coming up from the lake if the wind's mm-hmm. right there were lots of bugs and it's really hot during the day and you know so there's a reason there's nothing there yeah yeah you know? and it was just a one night yeah. Uh, it was a th- Three three nights, I think. Yeah, yeah it's hard to remember. <laughs> it's just less, just three days ago, and I can't remember. Well, well. I was so I it, went in early and helped one night, so it was my part was three nights, but I think it was actually two nights. two nights. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, so this trip that I'm taking next week to go to New Orleans to Jazz Fest, which if you are listening to this, you can go to my I'm going to Instagram and post photos and stuff, but. I've been going there twenty something years in a row, and there's always one day eventually in the week where you, you're like, "What what day is? It? You know, that's mm. the best vacation where you can't remember what day of the week it is. Yeah, you know, where you just become so disconnected from your normal. So routine. it's like a, a
1: full week thing you're doing. There? Yeah. Well, wow.
0: I fly down on Tuesday and come home on Wednesday the next week.
1: Wow. So, yeah, that's so, great. And it's a jazz festival.
0: Well, it's the New Orleans Jazz and Heritage Festival, and it happens the last weekend in April and the first week in May. So it's over two weekends, but I usually, I only go for the one. Uh, I, I might, if I wasn't married now, I would stay for two, but two is too long to stay. So, the, So the first weekend is Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and the second weekend is Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And for a while before Katrina, they were there was also a Thursday on the first weekend. But the, it's one ticket for the day, and they have something like twelve stages. One stage is all kind of Zydeco music. One is a blues stage. There's a jazz stage. There's a traditional jazz stage. There's two big kind of rock and roll stages. Like you know, they'll will uh, Springsteen has played there, and mm. Giants. Acts. I saw mm-hmm. Lionel Richie there one year, which was a great show. He seems like a funny guy that you're not going to like, but
1: the- <sighs> Lionel Richie. Lionel Richie disappointed me. Oh, I,
0: this was such a good show. But part of it, what was good, was it was during a thunderstorm. Oh, and he wow. came on. He was like, I was at my hotel. I couldn't believe that they were still doing the show. So the crowd is out there. We're all in ponchos, and it's mud up to your over your shoes. And and it was a smaller crowd, but the people were. It's almost yeah. I never yeah. wish that it would rain, but I've been there yeah. for twenty something years, so I've yeah. been on some. De- I've been. I was there one time where they where they said there are severe thunderstorm warnings, so there are going to be lightning and there's going to be lightning and thunder. So we're advising you to do whatever you would do in that situation because it could be slightly dangerous.
1: Pick up an electric guitar. That's what I
0: do. So he says that, and then he goes, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome
1: the next band. <laughs> like, listen at your own risk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, hilarious. he might die, but before that. Well, the reason I said Lionel Richie disappointed me is because one of my first like, uh, musical uh, passions was funk when I was mm-hmm. in high school, and when I like, heard Brick House... Yeah, yeah. The Commodores like, oh fuck. Yeah, I'm I'm starting to learn something now, you know. Right. So funky. And then 3 or 4 years later he's singing, you know, once, twice, three times a lady. What the fuck, Lionel? Who cut off your balls, buddy? Jesus. Well, sometimes you're trying to get
0: laid, and sometimes you don't care if you get laid or not. I mean, I, I think <laughs> you're both trying to, I, Anyway, I, he put on a great show, and he played a lot of Commodore stuff because yeah. he knew that that's what the crowd wanted yeah. and that the crowd liked. He knew that that was a real, real crowd pleaser, and so right. instead of him doing, this is what I want to do, he was like, I love that you're here and yeah. I'm here. Yeah. He, he had the photographer come out and take his picture facing Uh, like in front of the crowd because he was so excited about it. It was one of the best moments out there. So anyway, there's all these twelve stages. It starts at eleven in the morning, they play till seven at night on all these different stages. So you walk around from stage to stage and during the day there the food booths are all curated. So you have to kind of compete to get your food to be able to sell food inside the festival. So Uh. You know, there's so all this really fried fish, food. Ferdinand and crawfish, Monica, soft shell crab, pole boy, yeah. just great, great food. So you're mm. eating this great food, you're seeing this great music. Right. Sometimes it's hot, sometimes it rains, you know. But it's just a fun day. Then you go back and you take a shower, and then you go out until two, three, four in the morning and watch bands, and then get up and do it again. So, wow. so, so, and I've got a bunch of friends that have been going. Right. All those years, so we that's all kind great. of take over this guest house. And oh, really? It's oh, that's great. cool. So it's so really fun. You're we're with friends in yeah. the place,
1: too. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, that sounds like fun. Yeah, so I, I'm, I'm looking forward to this summer, man. I mean, I've been, as you say, I've traveled around the world a lot, but there's a lot of America I haven't seen.
0: Well, I kind of want to wanted to that was one of the things that I had in my little piece of paper to talk to you about. About oh, you've got notes. Well, I don't know if it what was really pro. notes. These are the places that I want to go. I I was listening to. Uh, I always have to when we're together
1: mention Joe Rogan,
0: <laughs> but I was listening to. Henry. By the way,
1: Joe Rogan sent me text yesterday. He's like. I'm intrigued by these van posts you've been putting up. I think Joe's thinking about getting a van.
0: Yeah. 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 We're all going to, that's the future of comedians. We're all going to be getting vans. I'm going to go.
1: Well, fucking convoy, man. Well, you know, so that's where I was. It's uh, CB radios. I
0: got a little, even though this isn't your podcast, Tangentially Speaking, which you should check out if you're listening to this. Oh, there's a plug. Yeah. Thank you. You should check out Tangentially Speaking. But I got on this tangent just now where we went to New Orleans for a second, but What I really liked about that trip of the Southern tour was doing these traditional comedy venues, but on alternative nights. And I want to start doing alternative venues and self-producing my shows. And the crowds may be a little bit smaller, Mm. but they're all going to be paid crowds. Mm. And I'd love to be able to set that up with a van and go on a trip right. with another comic right. and, and kind of right. to do that kind of homemade yeah. touring thing.
1: I think that's I think that's where it's all going. I, I'm looking at that for my next book after this one. I've got a contract for this uh-huh. one, but I'm thinking down the road. You know, everything, It the way the economics play out, it just, you can have a fraction of the crowd and have you know make the same or more money and have a much better time to have
0: a better because time. it's
1: like that crowd for the lionel richie thing the people who are there they really really want to be there right so and they're the people you really want to be hanging out with
0: and i think for me it's sustainable if i can get yeah. between 100 and 200 people well to that's show it up. your
1: platform's big enough that you can take a fraction of that the hardcore part of that right. and it's still plenty for you to have a great time and, and make, and, a, and great make a decent living, living. And, yeah. You know, so everybody's, but be- everyone wins. It's great. So that's the new. T- so anyway, quality listen to- over quantity, man. Well, yeah, on both sides, yeah, on both sides. Because exactly. I feel like,
0: look, if you're coming to that show, you're having a better experience because we're in a
1: smaller venue right. and we can hang out, and it's just one show. And you're going to be, you're going to be wilder. You're going to be more experimental. You're going to like take risks that maybe you wouldn't take with a bigger crowd, uh, two thirds of whom are sort of not sure who you are. It, it's a whole different experience. Right, yeah. Right, right,
0: Yeah, I, I think that's great. And so anyway, part of, so that's, I'd already been on that mindset, but then I was listening to Henry Rollins on Joe's podcast, which was right. a great conversation. And Henry does these talking shows yeah. and tours around. And, and then he also publishes books and uh, a, a lot about his travels. I mean, yeah, he's,
1: he has a column in the L.A. Weekly I yeah, think, where he writes yeah. about his travel experiences. And he
0: mentioned this place. I can't remember if it was on that podcast or then I kind of went down a rabbit hole of listening to him on some other... But he but he went to this place called the Plain of Jars. Have you ever been to the Plain of Jars? In Laos. Yes. Yeah. Have yeah. you seen it? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah, that was a place I'd never heard of and then he yeah. mentioned it. And it's I, unbelievable. I Googled it and I was like, yeah, i got to go to the Plain of Jars.
1: you got to go to Laos. La- Laos, it's... In America, we say Laos, but there they call it 's Lao um, but uh, it I did a a trip in Southeast Asia now it 's probably fifteen years ago now, crazy, two thousand three four in there, and uh, yeah, start in Thailand, Cambodia, Vietnam, Laos, back to Thailand and then India for a while. It was like a six month trip or a year i don 't remember, but slow going, you know, moving slowly with Casilda. And Laos was by far the highlight of the trip. It was fantastic. The people there, now I don't know if it's changed now because it had just sort of recently become a place to for travelers to go. The mm-hmm. government had relaxed some things and made it easier to get visas and all that. Um, But it was a, it was a place where people were still really happy to see you and curious about you Mm -hmm. and curious about your world and very open about sharing their world. And it's a, and it's just spectacularly beautiful landscape, at least like limestone mountains, very vertical sort of, you know, um, yeah, just beautiful rivers and caves and, the Mekong River, Luang Prabang is, is a World Heritage site. It's all this colonial French architecture, um, just beautiful place. Yeah, and when you take elegant. It-
0: when you're taking a trip like that, are you planning ahead your places where you're going to stay or times oh, no. that you're going to be there? So you just fly to the country, get off the plane, and figure it out?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would never, I mean, places in terms of I want to see this town, I want yeah. to go to the Plain of Jarzan, but not like I'm going to, you know, reservations in a hotel or something. I would never do that because then you have to be there on Thursday and you might, you know, be somewhere and be like, oh, uh, you know, someone tells you, you got to go check this out. You don't want to be stuck trying to get to the hotel by Thursday. You know?
0: And what's your mode of transportation when you're going to Lao?
1: Well, in Lao, we traveled by, we flew into Vientiane, which is the capital, and then we took a bus to Vang Vien, which was this town along a river, and the, the main thing happening there was the... Um, there were these tr- they had these truck inner tubes and they would drive you up the river and you, you could float, float back down. down to the town. Yeah. And it was so cool because you're just floating along this jungle river. It's beautiful. And every you'd come around a turn and there'd be a guy standing on a rock out in the middle of the river. And you sort of like, you know, the, paddle over toward him and he pulls up a net out of the river and he's got bottles of beer that have been chilling in the river and he cracks one and gives it to you and you give him whatever, coins, I don't remember what. Yeah. And uh, I float down the river, and then there was a place where you could leave the bottles, you know. And there are other places you could stop and have lunch and jump off these rocks into the river. And it was just like the most relaxing, chill, wonderful day. I, I was, we were smoking a joint. Uh, Cassie and I were smoking a joint, floating along, and this other couple came over uh, and we started chatting with them. And turned out the guy, lives in Haines, Alaska, and he runs uh, a company uh, sort of uh, designing and executing whitewater river excursions all over the world. Huh. That's what he does for a yeah. living, right? And they're just traveling along. Haines, We're still friends Alaska. with them yeah,
0: Well, yeah, that's such a weird place to be running an international business out of. Yeah, it's exactly. The, it's,
1: it's in the crack of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeah, so, yeah, it's just really fun. Why am I talking? Oh, then we went north and the Plain of Jars and and all that. But Luang Prabang is, so we travel by bus. In some places you can hire a car. Like in India, a lot of times it's, Mm -hmm. you know, it might cost twice as much as hire a taxi for a day or two. And the guy would just drive you. It's great. And then in the one, in Laos, uh, the Mekong runs all the way down the country. Mm -hmm. So there are riverboats running up and down the Mekong. Yeah. So we did uh, a lot of travel on boats as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'd love to. I'd love to see that. The plane of Joe, and then uh, Cambodia. The other the 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 jungle ruins. Anger Wat. Yeah. 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 I'd love to see that. And then from Joe's podcast too, he was always he talking about Gobek- Gobekli Tepe.
1: Yeah, it's uh, Turkey. Turkey. Yeah.
0: Right? yeah. Yeah. And I'd like to. I'd like to one day go see that. Although it's, that's a place that. You try and mention that to people; they haven't, they don't even know what you're talking about. Yeah,
1: it's. I mean, it, there's probably not a lot to see at this point. It's pretty dusty, and, and the thing it hasn't is, been excava-
0: excavated. Well, they're
1: excavating it, but it's, um, it's a place that when it was in its heyday, it the the area around there was full of um, nut trees and grasslands, and it was much, it wasn't the, the desert waste that it is now. And now it's pretty close to the Syrian border, so I don't know how... So you can't really... It might be pretty hard to go there, and there's not much to see. But there, I, I wrote quite a bit about Gobekli Tepe in uh, Civilized to Death. There's a, I'll, I'll give you that section if you want to read about it. Well, I'd love to read it's that fascinating. Book. When is it place. coming out?
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's the answer. is just laughing.
1: Soon, yes. Yeah, <laughs> I'm too much... I've got this hunter-gatherer mentality toward work, man. It's, oh, it's me terrible. too. It's terrible. Me too. Me too.
0: So uh, anyway, there are the other places that I want to go, the pyramids. I don't know if you can go see the pyramids right now.
1: It's cheap now.
0: Yeah, I bet.
1: Seriously, the more terrorism you get, the more like tourists get blown up, the cheaper and I wouldn't, it gets.
0: And I wouldn't be scared of that to go myself or with my wife, but I, I, our daughter really wants to see that. I don't think you can take a 10, 12-year-old girl to, maybe, maybe you can, yeah. but I, I just don't think. Safari, we want to go on a safari. I know you did that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that I mean, I haven't been to Kenya. I've heard, I've heard it's great, um, but uh, Kruger National Park in South Africa is fucking great, great. Yeah. I mean, yeah. one day I did, I did this big safari across Southern Africa uh, last winter, uh, Namibia, Botswana, uh, Zambia, Zimbabwe from. It was from Windhoek, Namibia, to uh, Victoria Falls. It was like a 10 day thing. And that was okay, but it was a lot of driving. And there was, you know, we went to the Okavango Delta and some other places that were quite interesting. I wouldn't recommend that again, though. I would pick a place and go and just stay in that place and do less moving around and seeing. Yeah, don't try to see. I did the dumbass tourist thing like, oh, I'm going to see Europe in 12 days, you know? Yeah, Yeah. Um, but I saw more animals in Kruger Park in one day than I saw in that 10-day safari. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I mean, Kruger... And the other thing that's cool about Kruger Park is you can drive in. So there, it's all these dirt roads, but you can just drive in, and they tell you, like, you keep your windows up, and you don't get out of your car unless you're in... You know, that you go in, like, where there's a restaurant or bathrooms, it's all surrounded by fences. So mm-hmm. you go in there, you're okay, but... You don't, like, get out of the car and walk around because there are lions, like, under the bushes right by the road. We saw countless lions just hanging out in the right, shade. Right, so,
0: so don't get out of the car because you maybe you you may not see the thing that's going to kill you. Of course,
1: you. yeah, you're part of the, you know, you get out of your car, you're part of the situation food there. This isn't a, <laughs> you're in the food chain. Amusement park, yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly.
0: Several rungs lower than you
1: used to be. <laughs> <laughs> way, way down, yeah. You're not fast, you're not strong, you're not fierce, you're just a fucking tourist. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, you're driving along 20 miles an hour, 15 miles an hour because it's bumpy dirt roads. And then there's, like, come around and, like, oh, there's an elephant standing right there. And he turns and looks at you, like, okay, you're just going to have to wait for me, you know. Mm-hmm. It's really cool, yeah. Yeah, we saw everything. Everything, the giraffes and, yeah, the whole thing. And they're right there. It's great. Yeah, Kruger Park. Yeah, okay.
0: Have you been to Ethiopia?
1: I have not but uh, the guy I met on that river in Laos that was his favorite trip. We asked him like, you know, cuz he was like, uh-huh. you guys have to come on a trip, you know, I'll set it all up, we'll do this. And I said, what's the best trip? He, Ethiopia. He said it's fantastic. It's it's very there're very few tourists and you go like back a little bit and there's just incredible stuff, incredible beautiful people. Really kind and, uh, yeah, wonderful.
0: Yeah, I want to go to Ethiopia. They've got, have you seen the churches that they've got that are dug? Out, it's yeah, like they Christian dug churches. a building out of the ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: a good friend of mine who's like the most well-traveled person I know, he's been to Ethiopia a few times. He goes, he's like a, he's been on my podcast, Viram. He's a fascinating guy. But uh, one of the ways he supports himself is he, he's a gemologist. So he goes and travels around to places where there are particular stones. I think Ethiopia might might be opals or emeralds. I don't remember. But So he goes way back in the middle of nowhere and, and uh, buys from local people. Buys them and brings them back. Yeah, and then he makes these incredible pieces of jewelry and pipes and just everything by hand. Like he has a hand drill, you know, and mm-hmm. it takes him a month to make something and he sells it for 1,000 euros and that's how he supports himself.
0: So when you're traveling on those trips and you're taking this kind of, you just get there and kind of go where the day takes you. Are you going to be able to bring some of that to this tour that you're going to do yeah. go in the van? Well,
1: that's the whole thing. So, so there are people I want to see, you know, but um, but the whole idea is that on the way you meet other people and they say, and also I've, I've got a lot of interaction with my audience so since i talk about how i'm going to do this trip i've gotten hundreds of emails from people saying hey dude if you come through oklahoma city you know i got this place Mm -hmm. here and you're you know welcome i'd love to meet you and also you know i know this guy who you know was a world war ii fighter pilot and you know he'd be a fascinating guy to have on the podcast so you get all these leads so that that's really what i'm trying to do with it is make it this whole interactive experience where i get to meet people and hang out and Maybe do some live recordings. And, you know, like I just met a woman this weekend who does um prison education program. And I told her I'd love to talk, I'd love to go to prisons and talk to people in prisons. And she's like, oh, yeah, I'll hook you up. I mm-hmm. know the warden at, you know, this one and that one. And, you know, so yeah, I, I want it to have a lot of space for spontaneity and, you know, just sort of organic things yeah. coming up. Well
0: that's the other that's the next phase of this uh, this tour idea thing that I've got is to be able to try and do something that's more even spontaneous in terms of like this is where I am and then to, if you could be connected enough with your audience to book yourself you know, so you're so you're just kind of laddering your way yeah. out into the world, like right. this is going to be my next event, or this is what I'm going to do. Because sometimes you're interviewing, you just have to connect with the one person, so that's very yeah. easy. But if yeah. you're going to do live events, yeah, to be able to say, oh, well, I'm going to next week, I'm going to be in this town, and probably 25 people or 100 people are right. going to show up, and so where can we do the show, yeah, and how we do it, you know, yeah, and
1: have someone local set it up,
0: you yeah. Know? Yeah, yeah. You know,
1: you, you get the venue, sell the tickets or, you know, whatever, arrange the food. I'll show up on Thursday. We'll do it Friday night. I mean, I did that with Sex at Dawn. It was wonderful The you know, my publisher didn't pay for any kind of book tour publicity thing or anything. But what happened was people started reaching out to me. I was living in Spain at that point and people would, you know, like a guy from Vancouver wrote to me and is like, hey man, you know, what would it take to get you to come and give a talk in Vancouver? So I'd love to come to Vancouver, but, you know, I don't know. I'm going to be in Chicago. Uh, you know, I knew I was going to be in Chicago in, you know, mid-November, so if you could figure something out, you know, late November, I could probably... So he ended up selling 400 tickets, and, you know, we split the money, and so I was like, oh, okay, my, my flight's covered, and I stayed at his place, and then we became friends, and then some same thing in Portland and then San Francisco. So these spontaneous local groups were like hey you know let's set a thing up so i ended up with like a west coast tour basically yeah yeah and it was all spontaneous and independent and you know i made some money like portland portland they sold out a theater in, in the baghdad it was like 700 tickets on a rainy wednesday night It's great i couldn't believe it man i walked out on stage I was I mean, it was balcony, and, there, and it was this cool theater where like, they have beer and food, and, and it was just like the best crowd ever, you know, because they yeah. were happy and kind of drunk. And, and I walked out on stage, and I remember, in the moment, I thought, this makes no sense at all. You know? And I said to them, this makes no sense. You, you paid 20 bucks each. To be here on a Wednesday night to hear someone you've never heard of talking about prehistoric sexuality, that makes no sense. And they're, they're laughing. And I said, I, I see what's going on. You're not here to see me. You're here to meet each other. Because you know that the kind of crowd that's going to come to a thing like this are going to be smart and sexy, open-minded people. So I said, you know what? Let's just take a few minutes. I'm going to shut the fuck up. You guys say hello to each other, and I hope a lot of you get laid tonight. And, and so we just, I just stopped the show. Yeah, and yeah. and it, that's what it was. It was creating a space where it's like what we said about Lionel Richie and the rain. It's creating a filtered uh, right. community.
0: Well and it, yeah and that, that that's the whole idea of this comedy tour that I want to try and right. get organized is to be able to interact with the people who like me because I, I like them that's right. the other thing and that's it like, it hey, enriches you, your life isn't exactly. it weird when you're after after the show isn't it weird when you're standing around selling your dvds or t-shirts or whatever and i go actually no i like that because yeah. my like my fans like me and i like them yeah. i mean i yeah. feel like i'm honest enough about what right. i'm doing on stage that it's generally it's a good right.
1: vibe that's exactly why i do the podcast and and that's why i don't do the remote stuff i don't do skype interviews because it's like I want to meet people, I want to hang out, and, and in the van I want to go to I want to meet Stanhope, and I want to be in his driveway, and I want to hang out with his his wife and his friends, and yeah, yeah. I want to like if he if he you know invites me, I want to like meet his his community because they're going to be interesting, you know. This guy that I went on this little southern tour, who is a friend of
0: mine, has to, also toured with Stanhope. Uh, Jeff Tate is his name, and he's very funny. If you're listening to this, check out Jeff Tate. But uh, Jeff was, I from talking to Jeff, it seems like Doug, and I only have met him a couple of times, but uh, it seems like he's the kind of guy that if, once, if you decide you want to make this plan, it's going to happen.
1: Well, you know, and Rogan, Rogan's a good friend of his too, so then yeah. Joe said he'd happily introduce me. So, yeah, uh, you know, J- uh, Jake, we should we should figure out if there's a leg of this journey or like an area and a time you can jump in the van and we'll do it together.
0: I'd love to do that. Maybe we could do some live. We could do some live. I'll do comedy. We can talk to each other. We could talk to people. We can do live podcast,
1: uh, you know, recording somewhere in Bozeman or whatever. And uh, yeah, I also, I'm thinking to get like fixed camera on the dashboard so when I'm driving along, have a, a lapel mic like we've got right now, and I'm driving along, and I get some idea or some weird thing comes in, press a button, and just blah, blah, blah. You know, why not? Okay, here's what let's do. Yeah. Let's say,
0: let's end this. And then I want to show you this camera that I got okay. and these Facebook Live videos that I did with Jeff when I was on this tour because oh, you right. should get this, you yeah, should get I've never this camera. Done that. And maybe you, well, let's do that. Let's do a Facebook Live to promote this so people okay. can now see what we look like right now while we're doing that. <laughs> I know that's a thing that you took a picture of me one time while uh-huh. we were talking, so right, that's happening. Right. Okay. That's happening. So you can go to my, please like my Facebook. Page. Please, like you, me. please like me. Please. It's just clicking a fucking thing. <laughs> Jesus, it's not like I'm asking you to buy my book. Could you just click a thing? You don't even have to actually. While you're clicking it, you go, I don't really like it. I'm just clicking it. Yeah, thing. just click it. We just don't just care if it. you actually like yeah, it. Yeah, you don't have to. Hey, so <laughs> <laughs> thank you for coming over. We're going to uh, eat lunch. Yeah. We're going to do fate. This yeah. is a great day. Wow. Um, let's high five. All right. Hey, thank you for listening. Don't give up. There will be plenty of time to give up later.